0: The left corner to Aguilar. Aguilar in the circle. Hasidiel with uh, a shot. Save made by Oliver. Rebound. Another shot. They score! The flames win it. Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts.
1: Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson.
0: Okay, happy Friday. It- September 22nd, we're coming at you from the Scotiabank Saddledome in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. It's Steinberg, it's Wes Gilbertson, and we're now two days into on-ice sessions for the Calgary Flames. In fact... We're getting set for their first preseason game on Sunday night against the Vancouver Canucks here at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Welcome to this hour uh, and uh, hello to Wes. Another day in the books here at the Dome.
1: It uh, It's kind of hard to believe, right? We showed up for the first day of on ice yesterday and now we're looking at three preseason games in a span of, oh, I don't know. 28 hours or
0: so coming
1: Was it, right uh, around the
0: corner. Ryan Dietrich over at Flames TV and Flames.com said it best on, uh, on Thursday while we were watching practice. He goes... Yeah, yeah, we're getting set for the old uh three games and two nights. You yeah. know, in junior hockey they do three games and three nights. You know, sometimes in the NHL you do three and four. Uh this one is a three and two because it's a Sunday night game and then a Monday split squad game for the first ever split squad with the Seattle Kraken. One game here and of course one game in Seattle. You're thinking to yourself, you're like, geez, that's It's a lot of hockey in uh, the span of about, yeah, 28 hours or whatever it's going to be. So, yeah, when we are back here on Monday and Tuesday doing PM Flames Talk, we will be discussing games that have already been played and we will have had a lot of hockey that we have had to digest, which is good news. And there's been a lot to digest so far in the first two days of training camp. The Oliver Shillington news was certainly big news on Thursday. Uh, some line combinations. It's just been a lot to, to sink your teeth into.
1: And we should just add before we, we go on no Oliver Shillington no. again today at practice for those who, who have been tracking that news, pulling for the young man, uh, Oliver Shillington did miss a second consecutive day today.
0: And we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he is back on the ice for Saturday's on-ice session for the Flames. And I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different. There's a lot of different areas you could point to, and a lot of different things that you could say would be intriguing or areas of this training camp that you would point to and say, yeah, this is uh, this is something that you know a lot of people are interested in watching or a lot of people are excited to see. And I think right near the top of that list is newcomer Yegor Sharangovich. I, I really do think that, that is one of the more intriguing storylines to watch as this camp goes along. And not even just that for when the preseason starts and when training camp gets underway. I think Sharangovich is a really interesting player. He's skating on a line after the first two days of camp with Jonathan Huber And Elias Lindholm. So that, in and of itself, is interesting. And he was Calgary's largest off-season acquisition. He came over Sorry, as part of their... Jordan Osterly. And that's not a knock on Jordan Osterley or Brady Lyle or any of the names that they brought in, but, you know, Sharon Govich was part of the Tyler Toffoli trade, and the Tyler Toffoli trade was the only trade of the off-season and was their biggest off-season transaction, so he was the centerpiece of that deal. So, as a result, knowing what Toffoli did for the team last year, I think there is rightfully so a lot of interest in what this player is going to be and then you see him on the line that he's on it just adds to that
1: yeah absolutely And what, what a uh, plum perch for the new guy what, what a great spot to begin your Calgary Flames career as the guy who gets the first crack on the right side with Jonathan Huberto and Elias Lindholm.
0: Now, you, uh, you were one of the, a few people that were able to speak to him right after he was acquired. And you know I, and, and understandably so. Here, here's a man who is still you know, learning the English language and, and um, didn't really feel comfortable doing an interview live on the phone. Right after being acquired and and being traded for the first time in the NHL, which I fully understood. Just talking to Peter Handlin and the Flames, like, yeah, we just he he doesn't feel comfortable doing that, so we'll get you, Craig, and and we can have that type of reaction. But and and at first and 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 the immediate reaction is, yeah, of course, you don't want to put a guy in a tough situation. But you did speak to him um, because a little bit different. You can talk to him, and and it's all for it's all for getting quotes and transcribing in print he was pretty excited upon being acquired by the Flames, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've mentioned several times that Yegor Sharangovich was a healthy scratch at times in the playoffs for the New Jersey Devils. I I think he certainly enjoyed his time with the New Jersey organization. But even when you're on a rocket ship, and that's what the Devils franchise sort of feels like, if if you don't feel like part of it you're – often looking for that next opportunity or you'd often embrace a fresh start and that is exactly what I heard from Yegor Sharangovich the first time I talked to him he he was excited to you know the flip side of, of the shock of being traded is that feeling of this team really wants me yep. you know the The Calgary Flames just traded their leading scorer, and I was the guy that they wanted back as part of that package. And and I think that meant a lot to him, certainly in my conversation, which happened the morning after the trade had occurred. So he'd had one night to sort of sleep on it, it happened in the middle of the night in his his home in in Belarus. About
0: 4 in the morning is when he got the call.
1: Yeah, and so... He's had a little bit of time to digest it, and it had quickly turned to excitement. And I, I think now you're feeling that excitement here in the city?
0: Yep. I had an opportunity to uh, sit down with Yegor a little earlier on this Friday. Joined us here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge and and he's, he's a really uh, he's a really likable guy. He he is clearly excited to be here and, and enjoying being in the city of Calgary. Uh, so sat down with him here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Let's take a listen. Here's one of the more interesting and, and dare I say, and we can get into this after we we hear from Yegor, uh, one of the more important players on the team this year. Here's uh, my chat with Yegor Sharangovich of the Flames from a little earlier on this Friday. How have you enjoyed Calgary so far?
2: Uh actually, I'm really enjoyed and we're lot, uh, I like city here. It's really different and it's not busy, you know, like yeah. not too much traffic on the morning. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, beautiful views because we already went to band with my family and. Uh, next step when I went to Lake Louise because we heard this amazing spot yeah and beautiful city too a clean city it's amazing and who's here with you I'm with my wife Daria and son Christian
0: okay and they like it uh they like it here too?
2: Yeah, because it's really different than New Jersey. We always live in a house in New Jersey and we rent house here too, but here we can go outside and start walking, you know, on the street. Yes. Yeah. With, with baby, with stroller, you know, and going to the park with baby and dog. In Jersey you need to always drive, you know.
0: How have you enjoyed your time with the team and you know meeting everybody with the Flames?
2: Hey, it's, it's my second week here, and you know it's really nice to come to the rink and everybody, every teammate, helped me with everything. Like they always say, hey, text me if you need something. You know, like don't be shy. And <clears throat> it's really nice to meet everyone. I meet everyone already and. It's good, to really, teammates, like, good team.
0: How excited were you when you got the phone call that you were going to get the opportunity here in Calgary and you were going to be traded to the team?
2: Uh, I was home at this time, and my agent called me around, like, 4 a.m., and he told me, it's Calgary Flames is really interested about you and probably will trade it to Calgary. And after maybe, like, 30 minutes, like... I was traded to Calgary and really like excited but a little bit scared about winter here <laughs> because I heard it's really cold
0: so you're you're from Minsk right yeah what are winters like there uh, actually last winter
2: my parents uh, and like brother sent me like pictures it's a lot of snow and cold too but I heard here it's like four months winter or five yeah, yeah it's yeah. a little bit long yeah, <laughs> it, it can
0: uh, it can go on a little while yeah. but, but it, it it looks nice and the the mountains are yeah. are beautiful when it's snowy but yeah it can it can go on a little while here. yeah but if you're if you're from if you're from Minsk and, and you've gone through winter before it probably yeah. shouldn't take too because long to because a couple to it.
2: like maybe two years where didn't see like snow on Christmas mm-hmm. you know and we're always, like, talking with wife and, hey, we want to, like, snow in the winter, and we was traded to, like, yeah. <laughs> Calgary, where yeah. a
0: lot of snow. <laughs> yeah, there usually snow at Christmas here. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So who did you... Who did you know on the Flames immediately? Did you have any friends or, or players that you knew here when you were traded? Actually, I know a couple
2: guys. I know like Solovio Filia. Yep. He's from Belarus. Belarus, too. yep. And we played together in the national team and Dynamo Minsk. And I meet the Big Z last summer. We practiced together in the Florida. And I know Kevin Rooney. We was played together in Binghamton. Mm-hmm
0: four years ago or five i know a couple of guys like good to have somebody like ilya and and nikita where if there are if there are language barriers you can you know you have somebody there to to help you out
2: yeah of course like, when i traded uh, nikita right away called me and said hey congrats welcome to calgary and he already like sent it to me spots where i can stay and you know where it can look like houses for rent, and and Ilya too, like where yeah. it takes right away, and a couple of guys from team like Hubie. like I remember, and, you know, Kalman too, always like texted me and said, "Hello, welcome to the team." Like
0: <clears throat> having Huberto Lindholm on your line to start practice they told you there'd be an opportunity and and there it is how how much fun are you having i know it's only been two practices <laughs> but how much fun has it been
2: yeah it's only two practices together but it's, it's really nice Sure, his teammates they always like helping you know talking on ice We're always like talking about like moments how we play it and it's really nice to play with the really like top players you know and. the like top level, and you always try and be on the same level with these guys with two guys with these, these two guys you know, and I'm really excited to be with these two guys.
0: How good a passer is Jonathan?
2: It's really good i, yeah. I know it yeah I know it before he can pass it, and just you need a score
0: do you mind play like you're a left shot playing on the right side? Do you enjoy that yeah, actually I
2: play it a lot, like on the left and the right, and before I play it, like center, you know. I can play on the both sides.
0: You don't prefer or like one more or the
2: other? Actually, I like it more right side. You do, hey? Yeah. How, <laughs> com- how come? Uh, actually, I played a lot last season on the right side, and I like it in offense like offense zone Shoot more from right side.
0: It gives you... It's kind of more direct to the net Right yeah. when you're when you're on your off side, yeah, you can go to the middle or right side. Yeah. So, do you feel pretty settled? Like, do you feel like you're starting to become more comfortable in Calgary and 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 with the team? I think yes, it, but still learning
2: the names of everyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little hard because my first language is different, not English. And I'm actually comfortable here.
0: How you're? You, I know that you're not comfortable speaking English all the time, but your English is, is quite good. How, how long have you been learning and, and how have uh, you been learning?
2: Actually, when I come first time to America, my English, it's really terrible. <laughs> because someone asked me, hey, how are you? And I just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but now, yeah, I'm learning like already five years language. And I think it's a little bit better, but still not enough.
0: Do you have a teacher? Do you just learn from being around your teammates? How have you learned?
2: Uh, My first two years, yes, I had a teacher, like maybe two lessons per week with a teacher. And but you always uh, learning more from teammates, you know, always. And my first two years I'm always living not with the, like Russian guys and my first year I don't have Russians in teammate uh, with the team in the team and I live with Canadian guys and many the speak on English, like I okay. don't have a choice. Like
0: I Really appreciate the time. Thank you for doing this, Yegor. I Really appreciate it. Thank you. That was uh, Yegor Sharangovich, who I had a chance to sit down with a little earlier on this Friday. Wanted to, because we didn't have an opportunity to chat with him when he was traded, so wanted to get an opportunity for Flames fans and, and Flames Talk listeners to to hear from him because I, I think there's a lot of excitement surrounding him, and, and he seems really excited like he was he was smiling and and whenever he was asked about being here or being on the team or when he was acquired all that type of stuff big smile on his face so i you, you get the sense that he's really excited to be here as well did you
1: like did you feel a little disingenuous when you were suggesting winter might only last four months because
0: i didn't want i I didn't i i'm not so good at counting okay so i was like "Ah, november (laughs) december (laughs) january february you know sometimes it's nice in march i don't want i don't want to like yeah it's like four to six months five months it depends on the year okay depends when it starts i'll allow it yeah like you know on average, four-ish months. Um, and I thought to myself, "Well, he's from Belarus. I like, they get winter in Minsk, don't they? Like, I don't. I'm not. I'm not super familiar with the climate of of Eastern Europe. So I was like, I'm pretty sure they get. And he's like, Yeah, but it doesn't last as long as it might last here. So we'll yeah, see.
1: Fair enough. He he did uh, great interview by the way. He he seemed excited. I I'd forgotten actually until I heard that that uh, he trained with Nikita Zadorov in Florida a couple of years ago. Yeah he was one of the guys who reached out sort of I remember him kind of being surprised that Zadorov even knew that the trade had happened and he was already reaching out so yeah and and a fascinating player right we're talking about a guy with a wicked shot we're talking about a guy who had his best season playing with Jack Hughes and part of that is like okay well he had Jack Hughes as his line mate of course he had a, a really good season of course he scored 24 goals but it's not that easy, some guys will tell you, to play with really high-end talents. And, and that that can have challenges of its own if you're not necessarily on the same level as they are. And so I, I think that's really encouraging for the Calgary Flames, that this is a guy who has played with one of the NHL's elite players mm-hmm. and, and really capitalized on that opportunity.
0: Well, and the other thing that I found was really interesting in that was him saying he prefers playing on his off wing and and prefers playing the right side. He's a left shot, as we know, but is slotted in on the right wing beside Elias Lindholm and said he prefers that. He's played center, he's played on the left side, but prefers playing his off wing. And and he says he prefers it for the reasons that, you know, I'm really intrigued by. And the fact that, it's a little more direct to shoot it. You don't have to take the, the way that you move your body and the way that you move your stick and the puck to get to a better shooting lane and a better shooting angle. It's a little easier to do when your hands off the wall as opposed to on it. And so I, uh, I'm really interested in, in watching that because when you've got Jonathan Huberto feeding you passes and we know how good a puck distributor he is and how, adept he is at finding people. In fact, I think there were times last year when you'd be like, geez, I don't think that guy was ready for the pass because they they weren't ready for that pass being so crisp and accurate and on the stick. Well, you've got a guy like Sharon Govich who can shoot it, and that's one of his primary uh, primary weapons, and now you've got a guy like Huberdeau who can get it to him, and now he's got a little bit of a better angle towards the net because he's on his off wing. I just think that's a really intriguing possibility as a line.
1: Yeah, it's a neat recipe, isn't it? It, it has a lot of potential. I I always I was thinking about this today, knowing we were going to talk about uh, Yegor and I always go back to a few seasons ago, and it was training camp. I, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but there was a, a player entering their second season with the Flames who walked by me and said, which off-season edition are we going to pump up this year? And this was a guy whose first season with the Flames had not gone very well. And who felt like the expectations, I suppose, that had been placed on him were were not fair because of the hype that surrounded him. And
0: you know, now you're going to get the text line buzzing about who it was. And I know you don't have you don't have to give it up, but now you're going to get the text line buzzing.
1: Yeah, well, go ahead, go ahead and uh, and place your guesses. Uh, but uh, I've been thinking about that, and on one side. It's going to be more challenging for Yegor Sharangovich to potentially live up to expectations because he did start on that top line. Yep. And yet it sort of feels a little different to me. I haven't heard the same hype about him that I, I have about some other guys. There hasn't been the the same maybe excitement level. I think Yegor... Sharon Govich remains more of an intrigue than uh, this guy is going to be great right. for us, and, and I think that gives him an opportunity. And maybe someone's listening, and thinking, "What the bleep is this guy on about?" But I think that gives him an opportunity to come in and be a really nice, pleasant surprise for the Calgary Flames.
0: Yeah, and and I just i I don't have any expectations. I don't I don't know if. What intrigues me about that combination is 100% going to work. I don't know if all of a sudden, you know, because he maybe has Huberto on his line and they try that to start the season that he's just going to become a 25-goal guy again. I don't know. I'm just intrigued by it because... You don't score necessarily 24 goals in a season by accident. And yes, having Jack Hughes on your line as opposed to being in a bottom six role where he was more of last season is going to help, but you still have to score the goals. You still have to be, you know, there's still part of it that is on your shoulders regardless of who you're playing with. And now you're playing with... Calgary's two best or two of their best forwards in Huberdo and Lindholm. So if, if he's done it before with good players, who's to say he couldn't do it again? And I remember, I just remember Craig Conroy the day that, and I, I'm sure you spoke to him as well, the day that the Flames made the trade with New Jersey. And, and I asked Craig, what, what, obviously Sharon Govich was a player that that you and your scouting group had had targeted and and are interested in how come, what gives you confidence that he can get back to being a more productive player? He said, well, you know, we think it's there. We think he's got a great shot. We like his even strength and five-on-five-point production, and we're going to give him an opportunity, and we're going to put him in a spot where he can get back there. And that was from day one, just, you know, a few minutes after the, inked dried on on the trade agreement so they clearly are invested in trying to make this work as well because they see something in him
1: yeah absolutely that year that he played with jack hughes i I just looked it up his shooting percentage was 14.3 percent. so you can give jack hughes a bunch of credit i'm sure he had a lot to do with creating some of those opportunities but if you're finishing at 14.3 percent that is a really impressive clip at the NHL level. Last year, he was down at 9.9, which is can help explain why he didn't finish the way he did the year before. He finished with 13 goals last year. We've heard that he, you know, his. I think too much gets made of, oh, well, if you look at even strength points, him and Tyler DeFoli were pretty equal. Like, let's... Let's be fair to Tyler Toffoli. This this is a a really good trigger man that the Calgary Flames lost because they didn't want to meet those contract demands, and I don't blame Understand them for one so. second. Yeah, absolutely. But to say you know that these are essential, that this is essentially a wash, I I don't think is fair. And yet, Tyler Toffoli is a guy coming off a career season, and the Calgary Flames believe that the best seasons of Sharon Govich's career are still ahead of him. And and I'm I'm fascinated to see what that looks like. The other part of it is they really think he can have an impact on their penalty kill. Yeah. He he played two minutes a night on the penalty kill, which for a, a forward is you know, a, a big time workload. In shorthanded situations. If too. you
0: can ease off the minutes of some of your other forwards that you tax on the Absolutely. PK. Like Lindholm specifically. Even Backlund. If you can... And I'm not saying that you don't use them extensively still, but instead of whatever it was, if you can shave 15 or 20 seconds on an average off their penalty killing because you've got another really good penalty killer like Sharon Govich, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
1: Well, and the other thing it does, if Sharon Govich is on your penalty kill and and we know that Elias Lindholm is going to be a big factor on the PK, even if they do try to limit his minutes a little bit, that's one less guy that you're worried about having sat on the bench for a stretch after a minor penalty. That allows you if you if you stick with that trio that allows you to throw Jonathan Huberto out with two other guys for the bump up shift and you're not worried about how long Yegor Sharangovich has not been on the ice and so he, he's a really interesting player and and I'm I think it's going to be really interesting to see how his first season unfolds he's a guy who He's going to get that first opportunity, obviously, with, with Huberdeau and Lindholm. I'm sure we're going to see them Sunday night in the first exhibition game as a unit. I'm sure we're going to see him get some work on the power play, and it, it really is up to him to take advantage of it. Yeah. There's, there's going to be other guys auditioning in that spot, and I know there's some people who want to see Matt Coronado get that opportunity. I know there's some people wondering how Dylan Dubé might fit there, but... For good reason, Sharon Govich is getting in the first opportunity with those two, and, and it'll be really interesting to see if he can take advantage
0: of it. And, and you know what? Even if there isn't a click there, and even if it doesn't work immediately with that trio— I still think that there are other spots for him to work in this lineup and and other ways, whether it's the penalty kill or not. And I think the penalty kill is a great way for him to be an effective member of this team as well. There are other ways or other places for him to fit Remember, he's, he's, he's just 25 years old. Like, we're talking about a guy who is still kind of forging exactly what he is in the NHL. Uh, he's only played two full NHL seasons after a couple of years in the American League. So the, the, there's still a lot of unknown, and, and the Flames believe, and they're not alone. There's a lot of people that around the league who believe there's still some untapped potential there when it comes to this young man. I, I
1: think when you talk about, hey, if it doesn't work with Lindholm and and Huberto, they still have some options. I think it's what makes that revelation from your interview so key that he prefers being on his right side. The the Calgary Flames have a real lack, as we've talked about, of right-shot wingers. Opening night, you're going to have, at most, two right-shot wingers, and those would be Walker Dewar and Matt Coronado. And so, the fact now that you have a guy that you think has top nine chops that would actually rather be on that side gives you really good flexibility no matter where you put him. Yep. Right? We always talk about, and I shouldn't say we always talk, I have I always seem to be pushing for Andrew Mondrapani, despite the success of his combination with Backland and Coleman to be moved away from those guys and put in, in more of a offensive type situation well if Yegor Sharangovich is penalty killing for two minutes a night in New Jersey obviously that's a guy that you can trust defensively maybe he winds up in that spot eventually it just gives you it gives you a lot of options and this Calgary Flames team with the number of left handed shots in their forward group need those options
0: yep Agreed. Uh, West Pat underway this hour on Flamestock Talk underway. Thanks, uh, thanks to Yegor for stopping in a little earlier on this Friday. It was fun to uh, meet and catch up and chat with him a little bit. Uh, he joined us, and uh, our show is coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge here at the Scotia Bank Saddle They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basementy. Visit DL Basement Systems. Calgary.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, this hour continues on a Friday from the Scotiabank Saddledome with Wes Gilbertson. It's Pat Steinberg, and now Derek Wills joins us on the Daily Flames Roundtable. Voice of the Flames completes our roundtable as we wrap up our first week of the roundtable, being back on Flames Talk, guys. Um, one thing we haven't talked a lot about as of yet i thought would be a good day to do so here on this friday on thursday we heard from jacob markstrom uh here today at the saddledome we heard from both dustin wolf and dan vladar so we've heard from all three goaltenders as we get set for first preseason game on sunday and obviously the regular season opener on october 11th can the flames make this work can the flames make having three goaltenders who deserve to play NHL games, can they make it work? How do they make it work? How are we feeling about the situation the flames have on their hands between the pipes?
3: Can it work? Sure. Can it work? Well, quite frankly, I don't think so at least not long-term in my opinion, because Coaches, I'm sure, will tell you that uh, having three goaltenders on the ice for practice is far from ideal. I think that at least two of those three goaltenders would agree because they're not getting the reps that they need. And I just think it would make for an uncomfortable situation. And, hey, maybe the situation is already uncomfortable. If you think Dan Vladar doesn't know that Dustin Wolf is knocking on the door and doesn't know that what he's accomplished in the American Hockey League the last two seasons is... The AHL's goaltender of the year in back-to-back seasons, and then uh, league MVP last season. Then uh, you're kidding yourself. Uh, he knows that Dustin Wolf is uh, primed to be an NHL goaltender, and I guess the big question is, uh, where is Dan Vladar going to be uh, in a day, a week, a month at the end of the season? Will he still be a member of the Calgary Flames? And you know, I do have serious questions about that because uh, at this point, I think it would be hard for the Flames to trade Dustin Wolf. So at some point, you're going to have to probably open a spot for him on the NHL roster. Shorter term, I think you probably can make it work. You can't risk losing Vladar for nothing on waivers. So I don't see that being a path forward unless he gets off to a really tough start this season. Mm -hmm. But Wolf doesn't have to go on waivers. You can just send him down to the Calgary Wranglers and get him some games. But with that said, just to play devil's advocate, what more does the guy have left to prove at the AHL level? Uh, he's pretty much done everything that he can outside of winning a Calder Cup and maybe playoff MVP. But uh, it's, I think, an uncomfortable situation for two of the guys. Uh, Far from ideal for the Flames as an organization. I guess the good news, uh, the positive side of this is uh, they've got three NHL goaltenders, and now they've got to figure out what to do with one of them.
1: Yeah, when we talk about making it work, I mean, it's going to work at least in the short term, as well as from my vantage point, it's going to work as well as Dustin Wolf allows it to work, and I think in that sense you heard all the right things from him today. He he talked about how he needs to play games. He he talked about you know knowing that the best thing for his development is, is to be in the crease a lot, and I, I think that probably tells me that. If he is sent down to the AHL's Wranglers for a month or two or whatever that looks like, it's not going to be an issue. I personally don't think he has anything left to prove at that level. But what wouldn't work is trying to carry three on your opening night roster. We right. we watched that unfold with Yoni Ortio and, and Jonas Hiller and Kari Ramo, and it, it was just a Daily distraction that the Calgary Flames didn't need then and don't need now. The difference is they have a guy in their current three who doesn't have to be dangled on waivers to be sent to the minors. So yes, the answer is it can work short term. But if Dustin Wolf does everything you expect of him in the minors, you just need to clear a spot for him. And I know it's easy to get hung up on, well, you can't lose Dan Vladar for nothing. But you also can't stagnate the development of your top prospect because you're trying to get a little bit better draft pick out of somebody, and so if Dustin Wolf really forces their hand, I hope they're ready to make that move
0: it's um it's a fascinating one because derek I think you you said it best in that. Long term, I don't think that it is a a really manageable situation. You know, I think at most you could do it for one season, um, and I even think that would be probably a little too long when you think about it. Um, and and to Wes's point about stagnating development and uh, like, yeah, at, at some point, at some point, that will be part of this conversation. So, I think you have got yourself an opportunity to make it work for a few months to buy yourself time to come to a decision, right? And and that dis- and that maybe you're buying yourself time, Derek, to your point, in, in getting a, a good trade for Vladar and not losing him on waivers. Or maybe it comes to a point where you're like, you know what, Wolf is just too good and... We're not getting the offers we want for Dan, but it, it doesn't matter because wolf has got to play. He's got to be in. He's got to be on the roster because I'm, I'm with you guys. They can't carry three permanently on the roster. The only way that this works temporarily is if they use – Dustin's waiver exemption and use the ability to move them back and forth and kind of the advantage that having the AHL team in the same city gives you but long term guys it's it's not viable short term I think you can manage it Short term, I think that is what they're going to do unless there's a trade that happens between now and October. I think they're going to do that until they don't have these three, all three of these guys here anymore. You know, Craig Conroy said as much to us at the beginning of the week on Monday where he talked about going up and going down and all that type of stuff. I think they've got a plan it's not like a plan with penned in dates on the calendar, but they have an idea as to how they'd like to make this work in the short term. And at least that short term buys you some time to come to what the actual uh, decision is going to be when it's all said and done. Here's the other thing, guys.
3: How much more confident are you with Dustin Wolf having played in one meaningless NHL game in his career that he has a better chance to be a future number one than Dan Vladar. We've got a way bigger book on one guy than the other. And Vladar is still young. I, I still think has plenty of room to grow. And Wolf, he's proven everything that he can at the AHL level, but he hasn't yet done that because he hasn't yet had the chance to do that at the NHL level.
1: So what what's the solution to that, though? You either you either well, have get to get him some
3: games and give him yeah. a chance to to start to prove it. I, I guess that's where you begin. But yeah. I think throwing Dan Vladar away for nothing, because you think or hope that Dustin Wolf's going to be your next number one guy, that I think that could be short-sighted without uh, getting a little bit bigger sample size.
1: Yeah, I just I, I know that so much of, of how the Calgary Flames have mapped out Dustin Wolf's development has been based on how other teams have brought their top prospects along and done it successfully, and and two examples I hear often are are UC Saros in Nashville and Thatcher Demko in Vancouver. And the next step in that process is to have him be a backup at the NHL level and to have him learn from an established number one. And and while I certainly understand what like where you're coming from, Derek, I think I at some point you do have to choose because you you can't not have Dustin Wolf developing because you don't know what he can be. And I'm not saying you run Dan Vladar out of town. I, I think he still has a ton of upside and a ton of potential as a number one goalie, but you, you can't just sit and kick this decision downfield. If you think Dustin Wolf can be an NHL goalie, you have to give him the opportunity.
3: Yeah. It's yeah, um, and I don't. Sorry, I, I don't have ahead. everything in front of me here, guys. But if I'm not mistaken, they really did ease UC Saros in from the AHL to the NHL, and you know he just didn't go from being uh, a full-time AHLer to to being a full-time. NHL or I know he had Yeah,
0: he had he he they kind of worked him in with yeah. Pekka Rene and and they they did ease him in over a couple of seasons
3: yeah and and I know that probably isn't I know that definitely isn't what Dustin Wolf wants he believes that he's ready for the NHL and who can blame him with what he's accomplished in the AHL but maybe you have to play a, a little bit longer game here than than he would like and I know some fans would like for sure because uh, i'd like to see him get some nhl starts and i'd like to see him get some starts early in the season give him a chance to, to prove that yeah he can play at this level and maybe even prove that he's as good or better than dan vladar but quite frankly guys we just don't know that mm-hmm. is the case right now vladar is a lot further along in his development than wolf and then there's the size thing and, and i had a great chat with kelly rudy today and now, he used UC Saros as an example, and, and he gave a few other examples as well and basically said, uh, you know, if all else is even, you take the bigger guy. But that doesn't mean you should discount the smaller guy because he can get the job done too. So uh, if you look at Markstrom and Vladar, they are massive men. Wolf is not. He's, I don't think he's as small as people think. <laughs> he just looks really small next to those two guys. So uh, I, I think that's probably the last hurdle that he has to overcome to prove that uh, despite having uh, the size that most goaltenders in the game have these days, that he's good enough in other areas to overcome that. But even though he's proven that at every other level, he just hasn't had a chance to to prove it at the NHL level yet. And uh, that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to seeing this season.
1: I I just want to share these numbers because you piqued my interest and and I was curious what they were. So UC Sorrows played one NHL game in in his first quote-unquote NHL season. The next season... He made 15 starts in the AHL and 21 in the NHL. And so you could certainly stall on this decision a little bit or, or go up and down. And, and I'm not saying it has to be the exact UC Sorrows model, just as, as we use him as an example. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty big jump to get in, into 21 games. If the Calgary Flames still have Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar here for the full season, Dustin Wolf's not getting close to 21.
3: The, uh, the, the other thing example. Is, the last go ahead,
0: sorry. Goes ahead, had
3: go a ahead. Go we They didn't have a number one guy. Yeah. Right? They, they've got a number one guy now. That's not the concern. They need to figure out who number two is going to be
0: long term. And the other example of kind of doing this has been Florida's done it a little bit in in recent years. They've had Lyon. Like last year, they had Lyon, Bobrovsky, and Knight. Um, Knight ended up getting 21 in there. And, and so teams have done it, and and I don't think anybody believes it's, it's the uh, long-term solution. And at some point, you want to just have the two. But at least in the short term, it gives you a little bit of time, and I think there is a, a happy medium you can find between you know, Wes. You're talking about you don't want to continually and indefinitely kick this thing down the road, um, and and I think that that's that's very very true. If he if he's ready, you've got to somehow make room. But I think you can find a happy medium between that and, Derek, what you're talking about and not just giving Dan Vladar away for nothing or losing him for nothing on waivers because uh, neither are desirable outcomes. And I think that you can find a middle ground where you don't have to necessarily have either of those not-so-positive eventualities actually happen, you know?
2: Yeah,
3: I would agree. And it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Now, how long do we have to wait for Dustin Wolf's first start, first meaningful start at the National Hockey League level? My guess is probably not that long. But, you know, right now it's going to be a bit of a juggling act for Craig Conroy as the GM and Ryan Huska as the head coach. And, hey, even uh, Jordan Sigalette and Jason LaBarbera, the two guys uh, who work with the goaltenders. So, well, we'll see how it goes. And, And I would just add this, guys. I think it would be a much easier discussion, and maybe one we weren't having at all, if the Flames' number two guy was uh, someone without the potential upside of Dan Vladar. If he was a journeyman, backup goaltender, or you know, even a, a prospect, but but not a guy who you felt could turn into a number one someday. So uh, we'll see where it goes.
1: Yeah, and it, it's going to be a tough spot for, for Dan Vladar because if he has a... Tough outing as as the Calgary Flames backup. It's gonna be compared to whatever numbers Dustin Wolf might have put up in his last start with the Calgary Wranglers. So it's not a it's not a perfect situation by any stretch, and just sending Dustin Wolf down to the AHL, I don't think makes the distraction fully go away either. And yep. I, I believe the Calgary Flames are not just cognizant of that, but a little bit worried about creating a distraction, and and it's going to be really fascinating to see how they solve that yeah. backlog.
3: You I can also don't know... want Wolf to go down and start to feel frustrated or start to get complacent because he yeah. feels like he's done everything he can at that level.
0: The good news is, I don't get the sense that Dustin is is a... That's always a worry, but I, I everything that I have been able to garner from him whether it's been talking to him in in scrum situations or he sat down here in the Lacey's basement systems hot stove lounge three or four times and he is I, i like he's got a great mental outlook on all of it he's got a huge amount of respect for the two guys that he's in this conversation with and and i think it is hard to be patient and it's even harder to know that you know you're ready for something and still be patient but I think he's got the right demeanor to do it. so yeah, I, I'm a little I'm a little more encouraged that you know he'll be able to if if that ends up happening for a set amount of time i'm I'm pretty encouraged that he'll be able to handle it the right way and and not kind of let it get the better of him, you know
3: yeah, I would hope so. and I think it's Fairly easy to explain to him. It it just might be more difficult for him to accept because uh, of all he's accomplished in the AHL the last couple of years. But hey, I'm sure he realizes that Dan Vladar is a pretty good young goaltender himself and that the Flames have a tough decision to make here. It's bad in a sense, guys, but it's also good in a sense because there have been a lot of years where the Flames didn't have one legitimate NHL goaltender, let alone three.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is, I'll, I'll just add one last thing. This is not. This has not been a case of lack of communication. I I don't think the ink on Dan Vladar's contract extension was dry before Dustin Wolf got a call from the organization, sort of yeah. outlining yep. where he fits in the future. So they saw this coming. They're just you know the the clock is starting to tick. You're you're going to have to address it sooner than later. Yep.
0: Uh, that was a uh, good conversation, gents. Thank you, Willsey. We will uh, see you back here on Saturday for day three of On the Ice. And, of course, game one on Sunday is right around the corner. For now, have a good rest of your weekend, hey?
3: Yep. Have a good weekend, everybody.
0: Uh, Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg along with you. That's your Daily Flames Roundtable. A few techs on that conversation. Uh, this says easy peasy Markstrom gets 55 Ladar 20 and Wolf 7 just for this one season so they can win the cup the last thing they want is to be playing against Bladar, Uh if Markstrom loses one game against Vladar. He'll be shook for the rest of the season. That comes from Eric in the Ranchlands. This says, guys, the AHL teams in Calgary. Wolf's an AHL goalie that'll play 15 to 20 NHL games and 40-plus in the AHL. No good having him back up. Uh, Can I jump in really quick on that one? Because we've
1: heard this over and over, and I, I absolutely think it's a legit point, and yet because of how busy this building is, and we're listening to WHL warmups in the background because of (laughs) how busy this building is, the Flames and Wranglers travel schedule is not often that similar and so I I just think it's important to know that the Wranglers aren't actually down the hallway from the Flames that often and this juggling act of having Dustin Wolf on the yo-yo for starts I don't think is as easy in practice as it might look on paper.
0: This text reads, uh, the elephant in the room is Markstrom's performance. What if the 2A and 2B are playing better than the starter? uh, We'll see how that plays itself out. Landon says, curious what you guys think of Ladar trade looks like. They traded a third. Can they get a second, a depth player, a prospect? I think ideally, if you're going to move them, if you can get a third back, that would be kind of the ideal situation for you. Yeah, that seems fair to me. And finally, this reads the only place for Dustin Wolf is the NHL. He will not develop any further anywhere else. There's only one choice you make room for him. Vladar will fetch you a good draft pick and prevent Wolf from stagnating against competition that has proven to be too easy for for there you go. That's the text line 96960. That'll wrap up this hour of Flames talk. Uh, we've been coming at you here from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, thank you to Cam and Taylor, our producers. Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, and yeah, we're here on the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stone Lounge Wet Basement. They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit DL Basement Systems. Dot .com